Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Voiding Cubes and Iron Dice. Here is one of your three co-hosts, Marco Arnaldo. Uh, first, uh, we want to apologize uh, for the delay uh, in producing this episode. Yes, some time passed since we have been doing this, uh, but life intervenes and minor and major things also get in the way of playing games and recording podcasts. But we're here and actually to make up for the loss of time we're going to record a special episode today that's going to last 16 hours so uh let's let's keep it moving uh, uh what <laughs> yeah oh, you haven't oh, you haven't received the uh, you haven't been briefed by, by the memo <laughs> Joel uh, has sent the list of the topics you know <laughs> you haven't uh, uh, okay. Uh, I guess we'll have to do the shorter version then. Um, my co-hosts uh, are Lance Meister. Hey, Lance. Hey, Marco. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I'd like to record to show that uh, even though, yes, it's been quite a while since we've done the last one, I have been the most available to do this out of anyone. I only uh, I had the one evening. I had the one evening where I fell asleep uh, watching uh, Avengers cartoons with my daughter and uh, and was, was MIA. But, hey, let's just... Uh, Let's do this. Mm-hmm. I guess that before I introduce my new co-host, I'd like to say that I probably will get silver medal for being the second most available. <laughs> and I don't know, I'll let the, I'll let the listeners to draw their conclusions. Uh, but <laughs> let me introduce our uh, third host, uh, our Joel Eddy. Hey, Joel, how are you doing? Good. I guess I get the uh, bronze medal or the I'm the eliminated player <laughs> in the competition <laughs> of available podcasters. Uh, yeah, did you say wooden All right. cubes uh, and iron dice? <laughs> I yeah, I, I was wondering that too. Was that a play on words, or it, it sounded like it's it sounded like iron cubes, wooden Marco? You know I, I, I didn't really, I didn't really remember what he was called. <laughs> it's been so long, right? <laughs> it's been so long. So are we gonna start over then? Or, no, no, push forward, push forward. It's 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 a funny blooper. Yep, I think it is. Before we get started, I also wanted to thank 2D6 that hosts our podcast, and not only that, it also hosts a lot of interesting material, reviews, essays, news about games, and everybody uh, in the world of gaming. And we have new reviewers that are joining the party every day, so it's a really interesting site. I suggest you check it out in case you haven't yet. Uh, today's main topic uh, that we're going to be discussing from all possible angles is expansions. What is an expansion? What counts as an expansion? Uh, what is the effect on us and society in the world? Uh, but before we get into the main topic, uh, we're going to give you a recap of things that we have been doing uh, since last episode, and in particular games that we have been playing. Guys, who wants to go first to tell us about the games that you have been playing, or maybe a selection of them, since it has been so long, and I imagine you may have played a lot. Well, like Marco said, it's been a while, so I've been playing a lot of stuff. Uh, most recently, um, yesterday, I played Kai Specker, or something like that. What? It's the, yeah, it's the expansion for the Spiker Stat, which is a Steffenfeld game, and uh, so I got that in the mail the other day and then i played it with my lunch group and it is awesome so you can definitely expect to see a review of that it's uh just totally totally changes the game but you still have the the core core game there so that is that's a good one uh let's see 
uh, BSG Express. I just did a review of that, and that is, I think, unanimously considered by my group to be better than the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so take that with what you will. But uh, it's very fun. We can get a game of it done with the full boat of five players and easily under an hour. And it still has all of the great betrayal and all that good stuff that makes Battlestar Galactica so great. And in contrast, I've also been playing the Resistance, which is interesting. Uh, I like it. Um, it's kind of interesting to play that with some people that aren't. Uh, I've been playing it with my lunch group, and we've got one guy that <laughs> he tries to game the system every game, so it kind of ruins the game. He he doesn't understand the whole like experience of the game and the whole like sort of you know conniving he's just trying to like peek at people's cards and stuff when they're playing them it's like dude that's not the point of the game you don't like have to win the whole thing is just supposed to be fun so that's been kind of interesting if i can if i can interrupt you i, I have to mention actually I, I i don't play a lot of Battlestar Galactica anymore because of the fact that we just it just doesn't i played it too much but you just reminded me of one of the the absolute funniest moments of Battlestar Galactica that i ever had uh, long story short, uh, playing a, I think it was a five-player game, second or third skill check. You know, we nobody knows if there's a, a, a silent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Jason, um, it's when we get a, we get a test, and it's like it's a huge number, and it's like every card color is good except for red. That's that's what, it, and so, and Jason's like, well, I can help a little bit, and he then he and he throws, he tries to throw his two cards in, but he he like knocks his hand on the bottom of the board, and the two cards flip over, and they're two giant red cards, and he's just. And he goes, oh, crap. <laughs> but it was like probably the funniest thing because it's like, okay, all in favor of bringing Jason next year. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, no, so that's been fun. Uh, and then I finally got to play Coney Island, and I actually quite like that. Uh, I need to play it some more, though. It seems like it might be one of those that, you know, it's like two, three plays, and then you're kind of been there, done that, but. It's pretty fun. It's uh, it's sort of a family type game, but it's kind of brutal because you can like uh, you put your, your little workers out on the board and then you build like a building on top of them. And so sometimes you can build a building on top of the other players workers. So it's hard to explain without getting into all the rules. But basically all of those workers get sent back to the players, which screws up your income and your victory point generation every turn. And meanwhile, you score like, you know, the same amount of points as them anyway. So it's kind of a little bit brutal to be a family game, but it's fun. I, I like it. I'm going to play it some more. Yeah, and, that yeah. probably could be a variant in which you're actually building the buildings on top of other people's worker that then are buried in the, you know, <laughs> under the building and come back as zombies <laughs> and hunt the the person that built the building. That would be sort of like a variant. You know, speaking of zombies, I actually started reading the Walking Dead comic book. Uh huh. What do you think about it? Uh, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep reading it. I don't want to get too off track of zombies again, but um, <laughs> but look, uh, if you start liking zombies, it is okay. If okay. you have this this feeling that zombies are fun, this new thing in you, it's it's okay. You can embrace it. A lot of people are like that, and and we are all fine. Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely not an absolutist, and I'm willing to admit my my failings. But uh, yeah, I've been kind of liking it. It's it's pretty well written. Uh, not 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 to deviate once again, just to interject. Um, the cool thing about the Walking Dead uh, comic book is uh, Robert Kirkman, the guy who is doing the comic book, 
has been asked uh, many times over uh, how will it end or do you have an ending in place? Mm. And um, he has gone on record repeatedly saying that uh, he has no ending in mind for the comic book and it will just continue to go for as long as basically they'll pay him. Hmm. So just, and, and you know, it's just kind of one of those things, really, you know, it's just like, wow, it's like usually that, uh, you know, you, you think that something like that would have, you know, kind of a, an ending in a mm-hmm. plan, but anyway, go yeah. ahead. Well, that kind of seems to be the tradition in comic books now is to have a beginning, middle and end. Whereas it didn't used to be that, you know, they just sort of run like Spider-Man for a million years, but, um, but anyway, back to games. Uh, let's see, two more games. I've been playing St. Petersburg a lot. I used to play that back in the day and hated it, but now I'm kind of liking it. So I think I'm going to do a review of that and Outpost at the same time because they kind of remind me of each other for some reason. So I'm going to get back around to playing Outpost again and then St. Petersburg because you have this sort of methodical, like, I don't know, mathy thing going on. Uh, but that, and then I, I got an old game in the mail. It's called, not old, but it's out of print. It's called Shanghai-in or something. It's Shanghai. And it's a two-player dice game, and it is sweet as can be. It's an amazing game. So I can't wait to review that to show people what that's about. So it's a, it's a Michael Schacht game. It's basically sort of like Battle Line Dice, if you've played Battle Line before. So that, that's pretty much what I've been playing. There's a lot more I've been playing, too, but <laughs> we could go on forever. Yeah, we've yeah. been playing a lot of stuff lately. Well, I've been playing a lot of, uh, like, it's kind of a, 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 I don't know, I I was in a rut for a while where I just, I didn't, I I didn't want to play a lot of card games. Uh, I had kind of, I I, I don't know, maybe it's the whole idea of I wanted to have the the board in front of me and, 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 you know, to move stuff on the board and see things on the board and, and, um, I realize that card games are very uh, utilized and a very beloved genre of our hobby, but um, I was I was just in a mindset where I was just not uh, enjoying them. But I've been playing um, uh, two actually uh, quite a bit uh, lately, both uh, Core Worlds and uh, Thunderstone Advance. Um, I should be doing reviews of those fairly soon. I think they're up on my docket pretty quickly here. Um, you like Core uh, Worlds there? You know, it's Core Worlds, like, the first time you play it, um, Core Worlds is definitely a game that, like, you... I think you have to have a um, a plan in, 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 mm-hmm. in, in, in mind. And, and, you, and, you, and, and it's definitely a game that it's the whole peeling of the onion... Uh, you as you learn the cards that are available in each, um, like as as you slowly move along. I, I'm assuming you've played it, Joel. I mean, just yeah, from, I did a review of it a while uh, ago. Well, of course you did, but, but sorry, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. As you move along, uh, the different you know, as you know, thematically, you're supposedly moving further and further into space, and you're encountering yeah. uh, more and more different uh, things out there. Um. But you know, mechanically, you're just moving along the turns, and and because of the fact that you're slowly building your engine, you know, bigger and better things come available to you. You know, I I, I like it. I like the fact that it is, 
it's it's very um, it's very tough. I mean, honestly, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it you know you never seem to have enough resources mm-hmm. to do everything that you want to do, and I and I like that. I, I don't like when a game is just like oh you know it's just like oh that's what you want to do. Yeah, sure, you can figure out a way to pull that off. You know, in 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 core worlds, it always seems like you just you you if you just had one more energy, you know, or or if you just had one more action, and you get that. You know, and you 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 kind of agonize over. Now, of course, you know the whole AP thing, you know, rears its ugly head because of the fact that you know you're trying to work out in your head the nine different ways that maybe you can somehow come up with, yeah. you know, the, the the strength to take a planet or something like that. But you know, I, I enjoy I enjoy games that make me think. I enjoy games that make things tough for me, and so um, I enjoy Core Worlds for that reason. Um, Thunderstone Advance, uh, I've been I've been enjoying that. I I think um, it's kind of like uh, a friend of mine uh, described it. It's like it's like when you have a bad shoulder, and you and and you you need to have it go on, and somebody needs to go and get it scoped. That's what kind of Thunderstone got really kind of big and heavy and unwieldy, you know. And mm-hmm. and so they kind of went in and and gave it some surgery and and cleared up a lot of the stuff that just wasn't needed. And, and 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 made it a lot uh, more smooth and you know and honestly I mean it's just like how, how you know Thunderstone's been out since what 2009 was it did it come out in that sounds right yeah so I mean you know I mean after three years of play testing and stuff like that I'm sure they just it's one of those things where they were able just to kind of you know just start over and and I think they did a really good job with it um strangely a few of my friends actually prefer the older version. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's I think it's because of the fact that there aren't 17 expansions out for Thunderstorm mm-hmm. things at this point. So I think that's that's where that comes from. Um, as far as like board games, well, well you see that then. Well, you see that then the, the amount of expansions and things that for some people is you know it's become too big. Like for you, it was becoming too cumbersome. For it was just right. It's just right. <laughs> Yeah, people are always in, you know, and that's a good segue into when we're going to talk about expansions here a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, as far as board games go, like putting a board in front of me, um, I played a lot of Lords of Waterdeep. Um, that's a review that is about ninety percent done. I need to uh, go in and edit it and move some things around, but that should be up here very shortly. Um, I'm not going to say anything about that because I want it to be a surprise. What I think of Lords of Waterdeep? Um, gosh, man, it's just you. You try to ask me what I've been playing. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. And you want to tell me uh, what I've been playing? I've been playing uh, Village um, from Ooh. Pegasus Spiel. How um, is it? How is it? it? It's fun. I mean, it's you know, it's not gonna, it's it's not gonna blow you away. I guess. I mean. I, I, once again, I'll do a review of it. I know that, um, I mean, my version is, I, I got it, you know, import, whatever. Um, I greatly enjoy it, I mean, just because it does have some neat little uh, storyline, you know, because like I said, it's the whole worker, your workers die. And that's just kind of a neat little, yeah. and it's even a little gravestone that they go to and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a, it, it, at the very least, it's 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 it has some novelty to it, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, playing a lot of first and goal, the, uh, the dice game, uh, that's the football game. That's just, that's just flat out fun. I mean, um, once again, working on a review of that as well. Um, if you're unfamiliar with first and goal, it's really well produced for a fairly small, uh, game company. 
I mean, they're probably huge, and I just probably just uh, made fun of them in some way. But uh, I think it's R and R Games, and um, uh, the game is the thing. The one thing that stinks about it is that if if it actually had the NFL license, it would be like you know ten times you know more story driven, and probably people would be more excited about the game. But instead, there's um, you know, there's basically made up uh, uh, football teams. You know, mm-hmm. so instead of and and, they, and just because the, you know they don't they don't you know the Green Bay Smackers or something they don't do that you know and then make the team exactly like you know the Packers or anything like that. Um, the the teams are a very wide range. Um, it's just all it is is dice, and it, it you you um, you have a deck of cards that you share uh, with you know there's a, a defensive deck and there's an offensive deck. And and when you um, switch sides, obviously, um, you you trade the decks back and forth, and you pull cards, and you use those cards to call plays, and and then and you know defense calls plays and things like that, and and um, it's it's definitely not the most mind bending of games that are out there, but uh, it is just a a really really fun game to play. I mean, it's just it's because it's rolling dice, and you're just laughing and having a good time. Um, gosh. Yeah. Other than that, um, I did actually. Uh, my buddy Derek finally came over uh, about a week or so ago. He's my go-to two-player game guy. We played a really, really nice, fun, epic game of Space Empires 4X. Um, let's see here. Just anything. I think other than you know, just some random stuff lately. Though, gosh, I played some Can't Stop of all things lately by hmm. Saxon. Yeah, oh. just because it was just one of those things where it's like. I wanted to play a game and, and kind of turn my brain off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, and, and Rallyman. I played that. Um, I'm not a big fan of racing games, but I actually liked Rallyman, which is weird. I didn't think I would uh, I'd enjoy that as much as I did. Yeah, I liked that one. I got a little burnt out on it after a while, though. I don't know what it is, but I just... It, it, racing games don't usually appeal to me i don't know I, I mean i had formula d and you know i played it a few times and like and there's a couple people in my group that really liked it but i was just kind of eh, you know whatever mm-hmm. and rally man it's better than formula d in my opinion um yeah. but uh you know it, it definitely has a couple of problems too um i don't know i played i played some more abaddon too you know i've, I've gone i played all the scenarios now in abaddon and i really really hope they come up with some more that you can download and and dink around with but um i just i i i just i think that's just the the giant uh robots kind of thing so i've been enjoying that but yeah it looks fun it, it it is man it's it's just uh it's a game that's just really really enjoyable oh and turn a i've been play, I, that's that's, oh. that's the other card game i was thinking of yes which is a very enjoyable and um once again, it's uh, something I'm working on a review and trying to script that out and figure out what I'm going to say. Now, when I say script it out, don't worry, fans. I'm still going to mumble my way through whatever and segue and all of my things. But I kind of plot line it out a little bit, try to, try to stay on task as best as possible. So. Yes, you know, I really, really enjoyed that. Don't You know, you know I don't like Twa, but I really like Turn A. I was, like, really blown away by that. It's That's, it's a good game. It's yeah. it's uh you know like I, it, which is weird because I've had a lot of people say they hate it. You know, and it's just like really, hmm. you know, I mean, just I shouldn't say people I know because my my game group it went over really well with my group, but um, but people that like I talk to online and stuff like that, a lot of people have you know kind of poo pooed it. Hmm. And I really oh, like I, it as a as a two player game the best I think. 
Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It 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 would move along a little quicker, and um, and you can be kind of more like you can hold cards. You know, you can even hold cards. You know, just to keep them away from your opponent. It's like, oh, he yeah. doesn't want that, and it's a little easier to do that with two players. Maybe I should play a two player, and I and then I maybe I, yeah, I should do that. But also, I I played a couple of games of, um. Game of Thrones, which you know is is an epic game and is amazing, and uh, and uh, I'm an end. Um, I, for those of you who are watching uh, the Game of Thrones second season, I hope you are because it's. And if you aren't, there's absolutely no reason why you aren't watching. Probably the best show on TV right now. I agree. So, Marco, are you watching the show Game of Thrones? No, I'm not. I I, I usually I don't watch current shows. I just tend to wait until the show is out, and then if it's a show that I like, I rent all the DVDs or I just download them all and I watch the entire season in like two or three days. Hmm. I prefer to wait a year and then you know get the entire season rather than to wait watch an episode, wait a week, watch an episode, wait a week. Ah, I'm yeah. just not patient enough, I guess. Well, that the is the best season. way to watch is to get like you know all the DVDs and watch them all back. But that is the best way to watch. But oh, the first season's out on DVD, and I'm not going to sure. say anything because I, I don't want to ruin anything for Marco. Marco, you haven't read the books or anything either. I think no, it? no, I haven't right. even played the game. So okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Just without ruining anything for Marco, and if any of you out there have uh, have have uh, not watched anything, then I'm not going to say anything that's going to ruin it. So you don't have to like, oh my gosh, and turn the volume off or anything like that. But Joel and a lot of other people out there will know what I'm talking about. In which uh, my wife has never read the books or anything like that, and I and I got the Blu-ray DVDs, and I said, "You got to watch this, honey. This game, this show is amazing." And then she's like, "Is this that silly show you watch every night?" And I said, "Yes, it's that silly show I watch every night." You know, and uh, and and so we sat down, and we watched this, we watched this, and we're watching each episode, and she's just really getting into it. And then we get to the fateful episode that, if you know what I'm talking about. And then, mm-hmm. and, and 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 people who read the books, you know, the fateful chapter that you're talking that we're talking about, and then, and 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 a certain event occurs, and she was, I, I remember, I was like, I gotta watch her reaction to this, I gotta see what she says, and she was so mad, she it was it was it was amazing, yeah. she stopped the DVD player, and she was like yelling about it and she's like is that what happened in the books and i was like yeah that's what happened in the books and she's like that's so stupid is it a dream no it's not a dream are you serious this is like the dumbest show ever what are they gonna do now and so i you know so we, we finished the first season and, mm-hmm. and so who dies yeah uh, no 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 it's not something like <laughs> oh, okay. that it's not something like okay, that see? okay it's just like you just it's don't, 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 tell, don't tell us don't tell us not another word but anyway uh marco Tell us about your uh, amazing uh, war games, and then Joel and I will try to pay attention. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing the Caucasus campaign. I had already started before our well, last episode. I already started playing it by email. I'm still playing it by email. It's the same game. We are probably, I don't know, one third uh, into the game. Uh and it may take another month or two to finish uh, to finish the game until unless I, I lose an early victory because uh, it's Caucasus campaign World War II Eastern theater um, uh, Russians versus Germans I'm the German and the Germans have the usual advantages that they have a lot of power good units they just crashed uh, the Russians the Russians have to, have to retreat but here the, the the cool thing is that the Germans well, it's easy for them to advance 
as it is easy for the Soviets to slow them down, impossible to beat them, but easy to slow them down. And the Germans have a minimum amount of points that they need to control on the map, starting from turn seven. Uh, from turn six, if you do not have at least seven points on the map, you know you control cities and you gain points, then you lose the game immediately. And in the hmm. following turn, it's a higher amount. Each turn, the, the minimum amount of points that you must have increases. And if you as the German, you don't get that minimum amount of points, then you lose the game immediately. So you have the advantage while you're doing things way too much in a rush, way too crazily away, you know. Mm. And that's interesting, that that pressure, I really like that. Uh, I've been playing it by email, so again, unless I do something pretty stupid, I'm kind of doing good. Um, but uh, I also played it, I also played it in person, and I already released a review about that one. I played Liberty Roads, a game that I mentioned probably several times in our past episodes, and um, it is about the Allied invasion of France. Uh, I played the main scenarios, there are just two of them, uh, D-Day scenario, and then another scenario later in the campaign, which is from Market Garden to the Fall of the Reich. Um, it is a French game, very interesting game actually, uh, detailed without being burdened by a million rules, procedures and things. It's still fairly detailed. You still get a sense of a lot of different specific events that happen. You still have a lot of chrome. You still have many things that are captured. And it has a nice way in which it manages to capture the, the strategic aspect. You see the big picture. There's all of France there on the map. Uh, even though in most games you don't use all of the maps, of the map, but you can attempt different things. You can see different things, how they would have happened if D-Day had happened in a different region of France. Mm. Uh, so it has this huge picture. You see the entire strategic campaign, but then uh, actually each battle that you're you know, you're fighting has you know little details that you have to take into account, decisions that you have to take uh, into account and to make, kind of micromanagement. So actually it's like you're zooming in. And then you're looking at that combat that's going on in that hex. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, a pleasant discovery that I made completely by chance. I don't remember what I was uh, searching for on BoardGameGeek. And I see this title that is Sing the Carrier. I click on it. It turns out to be a free print and play game. I was okay, fine. About World War II in the Pacific. Okay. What else is new? But then it was a cop game. And that was a little more interesting. A cop game that is not about fantasy worlds, and it's not about epidemics or things like that. It's about history. It's about a specific, you know, theater war. And that is something that I, I don't remember seeing among other cooperative games. Uh, you know, I don't. Did you guys ever play a cop with no. a World War II theme? I'm trying to think of um, co-ops I've played in. No, yeah, I can never. I can think of any other one. I mean, the only thing um, I can think of is 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 uh, games like um, there were certain uh, um, scenarios for I think Tide of Iron where it was like one against many uh, situations, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, where you could have you know two or three versus one player, but nothing straight co-op, you know. Exactly, yeah, like not many versus the AI. Um, and yet the idea is that the players have four American airplanes starting from an American carrier. They are looking on a map for a Japanese carrier. They, they, they do not know exactly where that is. And so you can play with four players, which is the ideal number, a plane each. You can play with less players. You just assign several airplanes to 
uh, to each player. You can play by yourself, but the game doesn't scale. So you have to play with all four airplanes, and that is a little... Not everybody likes that. You know, mm-hmm. people like, very, very often people like to play with one character entity when they're playing solitaire. Uh, the idea, however, is that this group of four airplanes is looking for the Japanese carrier, and once they find it, they will try to destroy the patrol that is around the carrier, and they will try to bomb it and sink it. In the meanwhile, the system is sending out all sorts of airplanes against you, and you have to stop them from sinking your own carrier, and this is kind of the idea. The twist that makes it cool is that it is in real time, meaning the first turn lasts 14 minutes. And that is it. Uh, in those 30 minutes, you must resolve 10 event cards. And if you do not, then at the end of the turn, you have to resolve all cards that you still should resolve before you go to 10. So you only resolve seven, then you resolve three in a row. And those events cards, of course, are the ones that make, make bad stuff happen to the players. So if some of those happen in a row without the players responding after each, it is bad because the Japanese get momentum and get an advantage. Hmm. So basically a turn is either 14 minutes or 10 cards. If you manage to resolve those, then the turn is over at that point. If it's over because the time is over, then you resolve the extra event cards. Well, the missing ones, but again, resolving many in a row is worse. Then you start another turn, which is either 10 event cards or 12 minutes. And then the following one is gonna be 10 cards or 10 minutes. So the, the time is two minutes less each turn and that of course is really really cool because then the group has to work as a team you need before you start playing the game you need to plan in advance you're going to do this you're going to specialize in that then you have to change things you know and and to adjust your plan you have to work as a team so you need to trust your other players uh what they're doing you cannot double check what everybody's doing just don't have the time Uh, you do not have the leader problem because of that and it was a lot of fun i played Mm -hmm. it with four players and we just had so much fun uh i might have to print this out it sounds pretty interesting i've never heard of a game really it's it's pretty interesting you know solve some of the issues like you're saying with the leader Exactly, that's a huge one. That's another cool thing is that in this game you roll dice and you can re-roll as many times as you want until you get the result that you like or, well, all of your dice are locked. But the point is that sometimes you're rolling and then you roll again. You can just keep rolling for five minutes, but when the turn is ten, five minutes is huge. So sometimes people are just, okay, just whatever, let's forget about it, let's move on. You can revolve, but then time becomes an issue. It has a very nice, it creates a very nice situation. Well, not nice, but a lot of tension, a lot of fun if you manage to win. Uh, it's really a lot of fun. And free to print and play is one of those very, you know, pleasant discoveries that I made, and I'm happy to share this with the with the community. Uh, outside of the uh, wargaming uh, side of things, I discovered a, a publisher of um, pre-programmed, paragraph-based fantasy adventures that can be played solitaire, basically, so you're just, you're just playing it sort of like choose your adventure type of book, or you can play it as a, an RPG, as a cop game, so the group against the story. And the publisher of these stories is Dark City, Dark City Games. And I, I didn't know about these guys. A viewer wrote me and said, 
Have you ever heard about Dark City games? I think you may enjoy them, especially after you review Barbarian Prince. I was look into this, and they have some free material. So I printed the the rule book of the series, and then I printed um, the, the, the free adventure that they have, the intro adventure, Orcs of the High Mountains. So I formed my little party of heroes, and I sent the party after the Orcs. The story's pretty stereotypical. There's a girl that has been kidnapped by the Orcs, I guess you have to rescue her. Um, but what is interesting is that it is sort of like, again, RPG slash user adventure, but it has a tactical aspect that is more than what you found in the old, say, you know, Lone Wolf books. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have a map with the axes and, well, you, you have options of you know, doing the battle, moving your characters around, using range attack, close attack, melee, try to grapple the opponent or drag the opponent on the board. There are just many actions. Characters are very simple to prepare, for to create. It just takes you a couple of minutes. But there is a well decent list of attributes and skills that you choose from, so you can flesh them out uh, a little bit. It is not you know, as... as as colorful and rich as a full uh, role-playing game, but I, I found that there is still more creativity that you could put in there, more customization than your average old choose-your-adventure. And I just like, you know, skipping from the paragraph-based story, which is okay, in the Orcs of the High Mountains, to the to the uh, to the battles that I really have a, a, a war game field. Actually, those are that is a tactical little war game that you're playing between moments of the story. Uh, also, the high mountain. So this is a free material. You know, the, rule, the rules and this adventure, free material from Dark City Games. Uh, it's a very short story, like 40 paragraphs or so. But then I wanted to try more because I really enjoyed that. And now I'm playing a longer adventure, which is over 200 paragraphs. It's called Gates to the Underworld. And about this one, I don't want to say too much. Well, let's say that at the beginning of the story, you are in this inn. Um, that is on the mountains and people are kind of like feeling weird because people from the other villages don't come to the village anymore. It's like, uh, oh, we haven't seen anybody from that village in a week. Oh yeah, what happened to people in that other village? So you kind of start investigating what's going on in those places where it seems that everybody is very busy or something very bad happened to them. Well, you know that it's, it has to do with hell, no less, since the title. So I'll, I'll leave everything else to them, to you, and, and to the listeners to figure out. But it is fun. Again, it's a fun adventure. It has a retro feel to it. I feel like I'm 16 again uh, playing these games, but I'm enjoying them. Uh, I'm really enjoying them. And again, if you want to give it a try, Joel or, or, or Lance, you can mm-hmm. just print the basic material. It doesn't take much uh, paper or ink yeah. and they're they're pretty fun for what they are again light simple uh, games but with a war game feel to it and a narrative aspect of course yeah i'm just browsing the uh, board game geek here looking at all the different modules looks pretty interesting mm-hmm. oh yeah they, they have they have a lot they have a lot and what else oh just a very quick reference i played cthulhu gloom which is the lovecraft themed version of the game cthulhu this card game satire dark humor in which you're trying to uh, kill your own characters first you try to make them feel miserable as much as possible then you kill them and you're trying to keep the characters of the opponent healthy uh, it's a simple, little silly game, but it's it's pretty fun. I, the, the Cthulhu theme works very well with well 
with the mechanics of the game, with you being the crazy dark entity that is trying to drive the characters insane and then inflict as much pain and despair as possible before you send them to an untimely death. Um, and these are pretty much the highlights, I would say, the main things that I've played since our last episode, but well, many other things have been played too. But uh, moving on, uh, why why don't we start talking about the main topic of today, expansions, and how do they expand our experience of gaming? That's, what, what do they mean? What are, what are they? Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I'd like to take a break since I've been talking for so long that now. Um, I think, okay, one of the things about uh, board games, and it's just like anything else, um, uh, if something is successful and well-liked, people uh, want there to be more to it. And, I mean, that's just, you know, like... uh, even even something as as amazing as Godfather, you know, people just wanted you know Godfather two and and so on and so forth and and so as. But did we really know, need Godfather three? Well, <laughs> God, I don't even know what you're talking about. Godfather well, three, I'm, I'm I, unfamiliar. It never happened. I. I'm teaching this semester a class about Italian travelers and actually Italian immigrants and Italian Americans and the the class ends with a section about the over-representation and misrepresentation of the mob in American fiction, American media, and we're going to watch the trilogy. And I taught this class in the past, and when I introduced introduced the Godfather the third, well, the third movie, um, I always say, well, if you have a family where everybody is 10 feet tall and you're 9 feet tall, you're the shortest of the family, but it doesn't mean that you're really, really short. It's just that people in your family expect you to be at least like, you know, like your uncle that is 10 or 11. Uh, it's, 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 it's the, is the least interesting of the movies is the, is the, is the worst of the series. But I think that if one hadn't seen that once, one had the expectations, you know, very high because of that once. I think it's a decent movie per se. I don't, I don't see it as bad as, as people, as people perceive it. Again, if you do not compare it with with the first two ones, of course. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. I, I I can see where you're coming from, but, um, you know, expansions. You mean from Italy? <laughs> uh, I thought you were. I thought you were from Spain. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, made uh, entity because that's you know that's it's, it's cooler if you if because if you're Italian then you can try uh, to cast it to, to to go to an audience for just sure. But anyways, <laughs> we're getting really getting more and more Monty Python here. So let's go back to the to the main topic. Expansions for games I mean it's just like whether it's like uh, like a whole new board or if it's uh, or just like a deck of cards. I mean people people know what they like and um, they they know uh, you know what and if they, they want more to it. I mean and there's some games out there I think we can all agree that are just made for expansions. I mean games that are like uh, like card games. I mean it's just because it's so easy. You just you just make another you know hundred cards that uh, you'll you'll put into the game and i shouldn't say it's easy i mean obviously there's some effort and some uh uh thought that goes into you know making those those new cards with new abilities and new what have you's well the architecture's there you know the system's just built pre-built to have expansions easy exactly yeah 
but there's you know for everybody there's there's some people that just like yeah give me give me give me give me give me you know as far as expansions go and then there's some people that say uh you know well you know just i i, I don't want them you know I, I i think the game works just fine on its own now i guess my big thing is, is the one the one expansions and i'll i'll throw this out there and i just want to know what you guys think the, the expansions that i don't like are the ones that come out and then they fix something that's wrong with the game and what that means is i'm not saying that a, a game company ever uh you know has a situation where they had a better idea on the table or, or whatever, they wouldn't like purposely put out a game that's poor in some aspect. But it also says that maybe, you know, how is it that, you know, I mean, I, like a perfect example of this would be um, the first uh, edition of Game of Thrones uh, had a, a, a very distinct problem in which that uh, certain, I apologize if you can hear my son in the background, I'm holding him right now, but uh, the problem was uh, with with boats and, and the way ships are, ships are uh, uh, a way to travel very quickly from land one land space to another land space. And the problem was is that um, you can't make them if somebody is able to control the sea areas around where you're where you, where you are able to create um, your boats, your, your 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 port castles, if you will. And so, if you, those players are constantly, you know, just basically hemming you in, and you can't make boats, then you're you, you're kind of cut off. And they didn't realize that you needed to still be able to make boats, and, but there was just no way to do it in the first edition of the game. So they came up with an expansion later that fixed that, and then they actually made um, on, the, on the sea areas, there was not only the sea, but there was also a port. And even if somebody was controlling the sea, um, you could still build ships, and you could put them in the ports, so then you could eventually actually attack the ships. Because the problem was, in the game was, is land units couldn't attack ships. So if you couldn't build boats, you couldn't attack boats to destroy them or, or drive them off. So they had to put something in to allow you to actually make it now that you would think well, how did that never come up while people were playing the game mm-hmm. and then but now here comes this expansion and it fixes it yes it fixed it but you know all of a sudden now you're making people pay another you know forty dollars or whatever so they can have a fixed version of the game they already have but I mean, should uh, they have fixed it without an expansion well I, I technically i guess yeah they definitely could have they could have just said okay here's the rule but the thing was is that the board here you have a physical manifestation of, of of the world of Westeros, and yeah okay you could have you could take a piece of paper out and you could draw it and leave put it on the board and say this is the port for that area, but yeah. you would have a situation where no here okay but instead here here look here's here's this expansion has nice thick cardboard tiles and they they match the art and oh it looks pretty and and there you go. Yeah yeah. I don't know. I, that's kind of it's that's a hard one to to pick apart because yeah, they did fix it, but then you got to pay extra to, for the fix. So it's just one of those deals where I don't think the expansion is really the problem. It's the fact that it was broken in the first <laughs> place. You know, expansion. They did the right thing by making the expansion and fixing it. But in my opinion, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There, luckily enough, there are also cases where you can fix a game or improve a game without having to uh, to include new components. Just by changing the rules. Right. Uh, in that case, you just release a document, you know, a new version of the rules, and people can print it, and it is kind of that simple. Like um, I recently played the second edition of of a game in the Conflict of Heroes series, um, 
it's um, battles of storm, <laughs> storms of steel, uh, storms of steel, and I had played the game, the system before, and I was like, ah, it's okay, it's entertaining, but it felt like very similar to many of the games that I played before. And then they released the new rulebook um, that back in the day you could just download. And the new rulebook really changes things, and it changes the game dramatically. The components are the same, but the game is ten times as exciting. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have that. Then you have intermediate things. You have um, the GMT series, uh, Great Battles of History. That is a series that has been successful. It is a series that had following, um, and it was fairly complex, fairly advanced. And then they came up with a manual that is simple battles of history. So the components of the games are the same. It's just a manual with more streamlined, more accessible rules, but that's a manual that, that you buy, that you purchase. Right. So it's, you know, uh, there are ways. It's not exactly a, a way of fixing the game, but, 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 but I definitely, I can definitely hear what well, Lance says the idea of expansions that fix a problem. You know, in an ideal world, that doesn't happen. Games are released. There's no problem with them. You're, you have fun with them. And the game is all that the game can be. And they should have playtested more if that wasn't the case. And yet, there are cases in which people may break the game after the game is out. Or they may still see ways in which a game mm, could be improved, you know? It's again, yeah. just because the world is not ideal. And I, I'll quote a case that I will regret because it's a game that I promised never to, to to bring up again just because it was a long discussion when I released the review and I thought, <laughs> oh, let's, let's, stop, let's stop the heat, let's stop the madness. And it's We Must Tell the Emperor. Uh, it's a State of Siege game by V3 Point Games. It is about the Japanese trying to defend uh, their country against well, the invasion from all directions in World War II. It is a game that I enjoyed to an extent. It just wasn't my favorite game of, of, the, of the year. And in my review, it said, uh, well, one of the reasons why not, I think it could be better is because, well, like in these games, you, you just flip cards from a deck and the cards again send bad stuff against you and they make the game increasingly hard. And what they said is like, the game really becomes hard and becomes challenging quite later in the game. So the first half an hour in which you're playing the game, the game is very easy. You just flip cards that do not give you very challenging events. Then the deck becomes harder because the deck you had to organize in a way that it gets harder. And then game becomes really, really exciting, really interesting. But sometimes then the game is over in five minutes because it becomes hard all of a sudden. I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was a way to, you know, to shorten that initial period? It's not as exciting if you wanted to. And I thought, and then there are certain tracks and stats and resources on the board that, that you can use. And I won't go into detail. You can use, but they just felt very similar to one another. I was like, I don't know, just some sort of like, you know, you're doing the same thing on different tracks. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, very angry reactions to that. Play testers that say you don't get it, you don't understand the game. It's such a gem, it's such a joy. You don't get it, uh, whatever. And I knew that there was an expansion that was all that was still being play tested, but I wanted to try this one. Okay, maybe I didn't get it. Fine. And I asked, you know, if I could try the expansion. They sent me the files. It wasn't published yet. They made my own copies. Well, guess what? Guess what? Were the things that the expansion allowed you to do? The expansion changed those tracks that I had mentioned, and 
it made them different. So the tracks acted differently. I was like, oh, that's peculiar. And I think that the expansion allows you to do is to start the game later, to start the game from the exciting things. Hmm. So that's that's interesting. This is the same thing that I thought, you know, the game needed to be even better. So that's a case in which it just so happens, you know, that they started producing that prototype before it made my review. And I made my review before I knew what was in the expansion. Yeah. So basically, the designer, the, the play testers, and I independently saw that there were ways in which the game could have been even more exciting. Um, so that that's a case. That's a case in which again, the game is not broken at all, and it had a huge following uh, when it came out as it was. And then there are players that thought, ah, oh, you know, just make these funny sounds. Could you, could you repeat that? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> They, they, just, they just go on and on and on because there's something that they cannot really find the right word. This is why they're making the funny sound, um, but they don't want to shut up either. So they just keep, they can find the funny word, the right word. What is it that is missing? And then they find an expansion that, ah, uh, you know, and that case would be, yes, you had to spend 10 bucks more or five bucks more. You shouldn't have to, but then if you do, you didn't waste the, the 20 or 30 that you spent before. Right. So there's also that other angle. Well, and I think you just touched on something that I always think is like there are certain games out there that um, that are good games. I mean, they're enjoyable games. Um, but once you play them with the expansion, you'll never want to really actually go back mm-hmm. and, and play ever without them because it just it adds so much more of a dynamic feel to the game or much more enjoyable. I, I've mentioned Pillars of the Earth before, how the expansion to that game makes it a lot better and um same regard uh cuba very good game um you know it, it, it's it's a very very solid euro if you want to put it that way but if you get the expansion which admittedly is a little overpriced for what you get but it it it, it definitely adds uh, another level of enjoyment to the game and so my problem with that type of an expansion is is that I always think, and maybe this is just me being a little bit of a pessimist, I always think that it's maybe possible that they have this idea that they have this expansion in the back of their head and they're coming out with this game and it's like, yeah, okay, this is a good game, but hey, you know, let's let's remove a few of these things, let's remove a few of these ideas that we have, kind of maybe streamline the game, and then you know, and then put it out there, and then and then if it goes over really well, we can put out this expansion. We can make even more money now. And I understand that you know it, it's a business decision, and, and 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 businesses have to make money and stuff like that. I don't I don't question it, but it's just it's one of those things. As a consumer, they have it up there. I I I I don't want to make it sound like I think they're being nefarious in their intent in some way. But mm-hmm. the one thing that does bother me is that like oh here's a game and it's for two to four people and it's just like okay that's cool but you know if you happen to be a popular guy and you have five or six friends or something like that here this expansion now you can play it with more people and you kind of think in the back of your head that you know they had the ability to make this so i could play with five or six people but in my case and i'm a maybe just odd in the way that like whenever i do have people to come and play games it seems like i always have five people and sometimes I even have six, and it's just like, and so my four-player games just can't make it to the table because of that. And so I find myself saying, God, you know, it's just a, why can't this game go to five? Well, it can, but it's going to cost another twenty-five dollars. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, well, what I think is that actually, you know, the idea that the components to play it with more people are released separately makes it more expensive, basically, I guess, because of the box. Meaning, you know, if those components were in, had been in the original game, right, the game would cost more than, than you, it costs when you're buying it, right? Right, exactly. When you're just buying the, the base set. Later, say, in a Ziploc bag, with just a little sheet of paper that tells you how to use the extra components... Then it wouldn't cost, you know, the sum of the two wouldn't cost much less if you bought the components, all of them at the beginning. I guess yeah. what really raises the price is a box, and in most cases, then you don't you don't use because you will try all you can to squeeze everything into original box. Yeah, I, yeah, right. That's what I mean. That's what I usually try to do is is uh, if the expansion comes, then you know, hopefully I can put it all in the same box. Yeah, but you wouldn't say that the difference, you're buying all the components in one oh. installment or in two, the difference is just that in two, you're buying that a box and maybe it costed more to distribute it because yeah. they have to start distribution again. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think so that is kind of annoying. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, and the one thing to keep in mind, I think, is a lot of times they try to, they're not sure how well a game's going to do anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they may release an, mm. uh, the game with like, you know, it plays three to four people. And and they go okay well the game the game's gonna work and so okay now we'll release the expansion with five people or something like that but mm-hmm. I mean I agree it's it is it is sort of frustrating especially when it's it's very minimal amount of components for the expansion it's just like a couple of things and mm-hmm. you know that's frustrating but in general with the expansions it's kind of like they're not really sure because I think we were talking about core worlds before uh, th- we started recording and. One thing that I know that they've said is they're they're still not even sure that they're going to release an expansion. So like in Core Worlds, you know, you have some of the cards with different icons that say, okay, these are going to be used in the expansion. You're kind of like, huh? Well, why are you holding this stuff back? Well, it's because they don't want to go to that extra expense and, you know, print everything out. And they're not sure, really sure how well it'll work. So they, mm-hmm. you know, they release the, the base game initially, hopefully get people to like it. And if it sells enough, then they come back and say, okay, well, here's the expansion. So it's kind of like a fine line between, okay, are they milking the consumer, you know, to buy the first game and then the second and third expansion? Or do they, are the costs so prohibitive that they're not going to, you know, break even or make any money? if they, you know, release this giant thing and it ends up flopping and then it's just a total waste of money all the way, all the way around. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to gauge. It's kind of like you have to look at it on a case by case basis. Yeah. I, at the end, again, I, I see in certain cases the necessity of doing that. I just think I'd like to see more expansions coming out in Ziploc bags. Yeah. I think that would kind yeah. of like be more, you know, like, look, we wouldn't, you know, we, this is the only way we could do it. But when it starts being a product that you start seeing, I don't know, well, you know, when you start using the boxes and this and that, and maybe whatever other components that are not really necessary, then again, you see that maybe the thing could have been planned better. Maybe there is just an extra expense there that wasn't necessary. Uh, oh, the, then, I mean, a strange case is Fortune and Glory. 
know if you guys ever played it or if you guys ever saw a copy. Is that, that, is, you know, is that that huge coffin box one? Huge, yeah. ex- exactly, precisely, precisely. It's just, it's huge. It's like it's half of my house, basically, the size. <laughs> it's, and the crazy, of course, it costs a lot because of that. You do not bring it to a game night to see. Let's see if somebody plays it. You, you, you bring <laughs> it when people have promised that, you know, all the effort that you make to drag it there will be worth it. And then you open the box and there's so much stuff that you do not need to play the game. Hmm. There are components that are not needed in the game, like almost half of them, hmm. tokens and counters that are absolutely not needed, and they're not even needed for an expansion. They don't tell you, well, but they'll make sense later. The rulebook says, we just included the extra stuff in case you want to make something with it, in hmm. case you want to design your own expansion, in case you want to make your own variants, in case you want to do something, design your own game. So we just, we just doubled the number of components so in case you want to have fun with them. Jeez. I was like, okay, but why, okay, why wasn't that released separately as the uh, <laughs> designer amateur expansion? You know, well, the, yeah, I mean, the like, with your self expansion, why was I like not you, given the choice of just getting the game? Right. Yeah. And like you said, you said, like, there's the extra counters, whatever, that say, oh, this might be used for your expansion later. Um, the game that I really enjoy right now, Core Worlds, has, like, on all a bunch of cards, like, a little symbol on them. And, like, and you, in the rule book, it says, you may notice that you'll see this symbol on many different cards. Right. And, uh, and, but don't worry, it doesn't mean anything now, but in further expansions, we will uh, elucidate what those do. And that, that isn't, them like maybe possibly having an idea that's them saying we know what the next expansion is going to be and it maybe it's awesome but we're just not going to give it to you right now so you can wait you know whenever and 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 maybe joel's right i mean maybe they're you know uh they they produce the game and they put it out there because they're under the impression well if if the game totally flops you know, we're not going to, you know, make – we can make a $50 game or we can make an $80 game. Right. Well, if we make the $50 game and it completely and totally flops, at least we didn't lose a bunch of money. You know, so – but, I mean, but I guess when it comes to just card games, I mean, I don't know how much it takes to – how much it costs you to, you know, put in another deck of cards. I, I – I, I'm not a publisher, so I'm not going to pretend to understand that. But it just it it kind of I don't know it, it bugs me. I mean it's like maybe maybe it's just like I have to like have the 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 uh, illusion of the idea that um the, you come up with this idea of a game and you make it and then you find out it does really well and you say let's go back to the drawing board and see if we can add something cool to the game and we can send make an expansion instead of them saying well this is going to be our game and this is going to make us x amount of money and then hopefully we'll come up with this expansion that I've already designed and it's ready to go. And hopefully I can publish this and I can make this much more money using this. Right. And is there anything inherently wrong with that? No, but part of me is like saying, you know, just give me the entire game right away. You know, right. if, if you really believe in the game and you think it's really well done, then it'll sell. Right. I mean, I don't well, know. I could the, be wrong. The other aspect to that is they don't also, I don't think sometimes, and it sounds like I'm sort of, <laughs> defending all the publishers and I'm not, but just kind of playing devil's advocate here is when they release a game, if they were, I'm trying to think of a good example, but let's say they came out with Catan originally and Catan had seafarers. And I believe it did have seafarers in it originally. That was sort of the idea. It was going to have the base game seafarers 
plus cities and knights plus the barbarian one i mean imagine if you got that game all at once and then part of me is like well that would be awesome you know you get all that stuff in the one box but on the other hand it probably would overwhelm a lot of people because you know a lot of people really like those deep long epic games there's a lot of people that don't they only want to play a game that takes an hour hour and a half maybe two hours so they would lose out on that entire market of people if they just like dropped the hammer on you and you were like oh my gosh you know like there's so much stuff going on here the rule book's 40 pages long you know so i think part of it is sort of let's piecemeal it out because it's not going to cost any any cheaper to do it all at once maybe a little bit so if you bought Catan for 40 bucks or whatever and then you know each expansion is 20 bucks so then the base game would have originally costed 100 bucks and nobody would have bought it anyway so it's almost like they have to sort of piecemeal it out and sort of you know drag you along and lead you along so that you can get to that good experience so i mean to me it's just it's just one way of doing it i don't know that there's anything really sinister about it i'm not saying you're saying that but you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah no no you definitely do have a point i mean i can i can buy into that i mean nobody i mean like take a game like arkham horror i mean the game you know has <laughs> Could a, you imagine a, a, all oh this? yeah and here's here's <laughs> eight eight expansions all put together have fun you know yeah you, that, that wouldn't work i mean there's obviously games that um you know, expansions work better. But, I mean, I think uh, what happens, and unfortunately, is that there's a lot of situations where um, expansions get made uh, for games, you know, for, apparently, you know, I mean, okay, if, 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 I'm, if I'm a game publisher, I'm not publishing games, you know, for, you know, the 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 glee of it. I'm, I'm publishing games because, you know, one, I'm probably passionate about the game, about the industry, but also I'm looking to make money. And so if you have an established a game, you know, like Arkham Horror or, or Talisman or something like that, or Dominion or, or, you know, Thunderstone or what have you, you know that if you, as long as you don't just, you know, poop in a box and, 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 and throw it out there, people are going to buy, uh, the game uh, by the expansion. If there's going to be that that ardent uh, group of fans um, that are going to do it, and like I I love Arkham Horror, and so I was purchasing uh, all the expansions, and then they came up with that Miskatonic U uh, expansion. And if you actually looked into that, it was actually like a bunch of cards that were for like the previous expansions and like they're changing things and adding mm-hmm. things and altering things a little bit. And I, and I also noticed that they actually came out and they actually like one of the very first exp- mini expansions uh, for Arkham Horror, they actually re-released it, but they like changed it in some way. I, I, I apologize. I don't remember exactly what it is, but they actually were saying, Oh, this is the updated rule set and card set for this expansion and that actually really kind of made me mad mm. and then like i heard this like miskatonic you was like okay well then this is going to be you know like our release of this one it, it seems like they were like oh don't worry about it i mean your game is still perfectly fine but if you want to actually have the right cards and the right things that you know this is what you're going to have to get now we're going to just change the game slowly and maybe they 
I don't know what it is. I stopped. I mean, I literally, I'm done. I'm not, I mean, which which pains me to say that. I mean, but I have no interest in picking up any further expansions for for Arkham Horror because I, you know, if if they're going to be going back and altering expansions that I've already had out, like you're not, you know, you're expanding on the expansions and changing them. I mean, maybe there's like some major rules problem. They feel like they have to do that, but that just really bothered me. And and like and also and I'll let you talk here, Joel. But like, take for in like Talisman, um, you know I I absolutely love Talisman. There's a lot of Talisman haters, but I love the game. And um, the only expansions, literally, that in my opinion, that Talisman needs to have come out is just more cards. That's all you need to do is just come with more cards, add more flavor. But they always want to add this board. And you and and now if you look at somebody who actually had all the expansions for Talisman, they're actually playing them. They they the game the game board is huge and it's ungainly and it's and that last expansion they came out with the dragon expansion was probably the biggest waste of twenty six dollars I ever spent in my life as far as my board games go that is a horrible expansion it it added added a few cards to the game and some new characters but I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to give you a mini review or anything like that but if you love talisman that that expansion is horrible and I and I I've never been I. I it, that just felt like it was under play tested. It was un, the ideas behind it were, you know, half baked at best, and uh, it added nothing to the game. And but I got sucked into it because I was just like, oh, it's an expansion. I gotta buy it. And it, and it's it's relatively cheap. You know, it's like twenty five dollars. Uh, yeah. And and that's the kind of stuff that really really bothers me. I think when expansions just. It's like it's like they're just like well we that I felt like was like we know people are going to buy this because it's a it's a it's a game that has a big following and people are going to and I just felt like they just dropped the ball with that one and I I know people think I they might think I'm uh, I'm bashing on the publisher you know because I mentioned both Arkham Horror and this one because but for the most part in my my opinion FFG does do really really good expansions uh, for their games and but I mean I think those like those two instances that I'm referring to I mean it just they they felt like cash grabs to me in my opinion right and I think that's a big problem and uh, you know I work in the software industry and I see this quite a bit where instead of uh, you know development or engineering kind of driving uh, future releases or expansions or whatever then it's more of a marketing-driven idea. And I think that sounds like what's going on there with uh, you know, the different Arkham Horror things and the, uh, and the Talisman thing. It's like they, they have a deadline, and the deadline is set that they have to release this many expansions every year. I don't know, but I'm just kind of hypothetical here. So it's like we have to come out with two Talisman expansions every year, and it's got to be this, this, and this. And so... A you know, it's box like and a big box, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's like, you know, well, why don't you just make a good expansion? And, you know, I can't imagine, I would be, you know, as furious as one can get about a board game, but, you know, when they have an expansion to fix an expansion, it's like, whoa, you know, give me a break. But, uh, you know, a Euro example that is that is Carcassonne, and they're doing like these little, um, these little like 12 tile expansions or something, doing like 30 of them or some crazy thing. I don't even know, because I don't really care, but... It's like, dude, why? I mean, there's like people out there that probably are just huge, huge Carcassonne freaks, you know, and they love every single thing. That's not me, but it's like, I don't understand. 
these things must sell. <laughs> People must buy these things. Well, you but, have to uh, think that with those expansions, what they're like, you know, ten dollars retail, so you can buy them online for six bucks or what have you. Sure. The the overhead on those has got to be next to nothing, and like right. you said, there's how many people own Carcassonne, and how many people are just like how many people are willing to drop ten dollars just to get a few more tiles, enough of them to make that, that that'll make money, yeah. and how much is that actually going to change Experience. the actual play of the game? Yeah, you know, you're talking <laughs> about dropping a, 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 a you know a, a drop in a bucket. I mean, it's just like you're not you're not even going to notice it and yeah i i think it's it's ridiculous how many expansions there are for carcassonne i mean it's like people always want to bag on ameritrash games for having expansions and expansions take a look at that take a look at dominion i mean it's just like how many expansions are there going to come out for dominion before they finally say okay we have seven thousand cards now for dominion we need to like what are we going to do you know I mean, seriously, with the randomizers and everything like that. I mean, it's like I just don't. I, but I don't want to bag on Dominion. I got mm-hmm. I got enough trouble the last time I did that. <laughs> well, so. but, well, you know, why 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 should it be a moral choice on the part of the publisher to say, you know, ah, oh, we've done enough and this is it. And this is the masterpiece. This is the work. This is you know the novel, whatever. As opposed to this is an open series. As long as people want them, and I'm not. You know, forcing them at a gunpoint to buy new expansions as long as they want and they buy them, just gonna crank them out. You know, I mean, it's... yeah, I mean, there's no reason they might as well. There's no reason for the site. There's no reason for them, you know, not to make them, but there's exactly. no reason for us to buy them. But right. if somebody does, and right. for whatever reason, it's completely unfathomable, unfathomable to me, enjoys them, then, you know, well, that's what? it. Yeah. Well, so should we? Should, so who should we fault then? I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, if I had, if, that's if the I, point. Should we? Do we have to fault somebody? Can't we just not buy expansions that we don't want? And I don't know. Look, I fault. I fault people that people that have want no to buy taste them something and, mysterious. And, 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 I, I, pull, I fault people that have no taste in TV for the reason why uh, MTV exists now in the form that it is. So, I mean, uh, you know, and it's just, but you, there you have a situation where, but no, I mean, like, I understand it. I understand it. If, if you told me, you know, it's like, well, okay, here, as long as you just keep producing X, there's going to be a million people that are going to buy it. And that, 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 that number is obviously incredibly inflated as far as, you know, when it comes to, because board games don't have a situation where you're selling a million, and, you know, very often. But like, okay, fine. You know, it's like, create this, you'll sell 5,000 copies of it and we'll make two bucks a copy or whatever. Well, yeah, every time you come knocking on my door, obviously, as long as I have those 5,000 people that are going to buy that, I'm going to do it, you know, because there's just no reason not to. But at some point shouldn't, you know, I mean... I don't know. I guess yes. fault maybe is a bad word, I guess. But, I mean, shouldn't we demand more? I mean, but like, you know, people always say, vote with your pocketbook. Well, but, you know, I mean, I guess there's just too many people out there that are willing to buy that stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah well, again, a case in which I would be against, you know, like a publisher exploiting an idea as long as the idea uh, makes money, a case in which I would be against is like if that – uh, cannibalizes better things if that you know the publisher starts doing those instead of if MTV is producing annoying stupid the pointless reality shows instead of doing other stuff that annoys me but if there's another channel that opens and all the you know 
sends out terrible stuff and people love it, but that does, hasn't ruined anything that I enjoyed. I'm, I'm not particularly against against it. An example is Stevie Jackson games. Um, Stevie Jackson on his website says, you know, that, that we you just keep doing Munchkin and we will do it because it's a lot of money that, that there is to be made there. But then we invest part of the money to do the extra deluxe version of Ogre that otherwise we, we wouldn't be able to. So, you know, Munchkin exists and it's not like we're, they're not making better stuff because Munchkin is there, you know, sucking up all the resources the other way around because a cash cow is in the house. Then they can do other stuff. Right. Well, let's let's be honest. What was the last time that Steve Jackson Games had an, an original game that wasn't an expansion or a remake of something? Um, I got to go back to like Revolution, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, well. I mean, but, it's, but Marco's got a good point there is, you know, Munching exists to make it give us Ogre and Dominion exists to give us, uh, you know, anything from Rio Grande. If Rio Grande didn't have Dominion, maybe they wouldn't be. I mean, I know they've been around for a while, but it's keeping them floating around and, and, and you know, able to give, you know, new designers a shot, at, you know, at, at it coming out with a game. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you say new design. It's funny you should say new designers because it wasn't Rio Grande Games, the company that had the design a a brand new game and then will publish it and 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 like that contest like a year or two ago and like none of those have actually none of the winners have actually uh, the games have surfaced yet. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just that that's just fuel on a fire. But I just thought of that when you mentioned that comment. I don't remember, but uh, you know, like that game Hawaii, which I don't care for, but you know, that's a that's a brand new game from a first-time designer, and, uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't have a shot if Dominion didn't exist. I mean, it's totally hypothetical, but... Hey, what happened to your, your, your thoughts on Hawaii? You were all talking, all jazzed about that game for a while, and all of a sudden you just... It was like somebody somebody took your puppy away on that one. <laughs> oh, no, that's all. We're going to get off track here, but... Uh, no, I just didn't... Uh, it's kind of like I was saying earlier with Coney Island. It was. It's like... Uh, you know, maybe there's only a couple plays here, and I think that's what it was with Hawaii. But anyway, but I wanted to get back to a point um, just to keep us uh, moving along. Uh, we mentioned, you know, how much should the game change with the expansion, and that's sort of an interesting idea. Is like, how drastic should the expansion be, or is it, you know, when does it become a totally new game or something like that? Because I'm thinking of uh, Kai Specker. I thought thought of that before. Uh, uh, with the spiker stop. Now, it's basically the same idea with, you know, you stack your workers up and then you win whatever cards out. But this time there's cards along the top of the board and you can actually grab one of the cards, put it off to the side of the board and you put your worker on it. And then somebody else will grab it. So all of those cards can be bought up in the same manner. And there's a lot more special effects cards and things like that. So the game is kind of the same. But it's drastically different. And so, to me, I like when an expansion either A, gives me a whole lot more of the same, or B, really changes up the game quite dramatically to basically sort of, you know, plug and play, you know. And I don't know what you guys' thoughts on that are. I, I think these are kind of unfair questions for uh, Marco because of his war game background. But Right, and um, that's what I was kind of wondering about, you know, because a war game probably doesn't do that very much. I mean, you get like a new map. I don't really consider that an expansion. 
Like Power well, Grid has like forty maps, but I don't really consider those expansions. They're just like new maps. Well, you can have scenarios, and sometimes you have scenarios that are played on the same map. You know, things of commands and colors. Then you can just play a lot of a lot of stuff, but you're just using the same map and the terrain path that you find in the in the original set. Or you may have games that come already in their original um, in the original version with several maps and several scenarios, and you can already play several games and several different battles. And sometimes you may have you know, then other battles that come out. I'm thinking of Napoleon's War by Worthington Games. The original game came out with four battles, different maps, uh, very simple Napoleonic game. And then they just started issuing battle packs that did not come out in fancy boxes. They came out in sort of like, you know, cardboard wrapping and with a, with a piece of well, 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 shrink wrap around. I would just take them out of the box, read the rules for those battles, and play the battles on those maps. So those are relatively very cheap expansions that do uh, increase the replay value of the game. And I got to think, I was thinking, uh, we're talking about what, why wasn't the game released originally if the game had, you know, had already been designed a certain way or thought or planned a certain way, why it didn't come out all at once? Well, with the uh, with the scenario factor of the war games, uh, sometimes you just you know you just keep playtesting, you just keep adding battles. Uh, you know, if they waited until the original game of Napoleon's War was ready, uh, and all the scenarios in the following battle packs were ready, that would have delayed the game maybe by years. And the fact that people keep playing it and come up with new ideas and new playtesters add new battles. I see that as as okay. I don't see I don't have a particular problem with that. I, again, just because I see that there is a physiological time that it takes to uh, play test a game, uh, you know, mm-hmm. enough and to play test a battle enough to make it to make it interesting. But in this, I have to say that definitely um, where games has an advantage on that has an advantage on on euros. You buy right. lost battles that has fifty battles. Yeah. That's you don't you you're not gonna need an expansion anytime soon because the number of units, the type of units that you use varies from battle to battle, the terrain changes. You have gonna have a lot of variety in there. You're not gonna need an expansion anytime soon. It's and that's an extreme case. Fifty battles is a lot, but games that come with ten scenarios uh, are not uncommon. Right. Uh, actually, at this point, many games are expected to come out with multiple scenarios. When you have a game with only one scenario, uh, when I'm reviewing it, I kind of mention it because you know it's. I wouldn't say it's unusual, but people you know need to be informed about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's definitely an advantage that you have with with war games. Sometimes war games come out and it's not even just a single game. It has the feel of. of a series or a, or a system that already right. comes with multiple yeah. games in the same box. But I, well, one thing that I wanted to, I wanted just to, to throw in there, I don't know, probably it's too much, it's too long for, you know, to start an entire new topic, but since we were talking about this idea of, you know, what, what are you thinking about games that come out already with the idea of making you buy more expansions, so encouraging you to buy more expansions, but I mean, there's a big elephant in the room here. How about card collectible games? Oh that's, yeah, that's at the core of the entire idea. You buy, you buy the starter set. You can already play with that. Yes, but who does that? Right. Come well, those, those were designed. <laughs> I mean, let, let's let's be honest. Right? Yeah, I mean, those were designed to basically be baseball cards that are a game. I mean, that yep. they made no bones about that. 
But Absolutely. I mean, I know there's nothing really wrong with that. But you see, if you if you think about it, if you look at all the Dominion expansions and add all the money up for that, and you look at all of the uh, the LCGs and add up all the money for those, you're kind of right in the same ballpark. Unless you are a professional Magic player. Now, if you're a professional player, then you're going to spend thousands of dollars mm-hmm. playing Magic. But most people aren't at that professional level, and they're going to spend hundreds of dollars. Well, Dominion is what, 40 bucks, 30 bucks, plus each expansion is 30 bucks. So I don't know where we're at now. We're at like, what, six, seven expansions? So that's 200 bucks ballpark, you know? And but they to delude spend... themselves, though. I mean, they, I mean people, aren't, people never think of Dominion as being, oh, this is just $40. People delude themselves a little bit because with CCGs, it's just like, well, it's. You know, it's it's got that stigma. You know, it's like, oh, it's only you know whatever. I don't even know how much it is a pack for a, for a pack of Magic cards. I don't even know what it is anymore. Right. But I mean, people are always like, oh, look at them. They're buying pack after pack of boosters. Luckily, I just bought this one game and I took it home and it was a complete set. They don't ever. I don't know. They don't. They don't. They don't put that. That's the. I think that's that stigma. You know, I mean, you make a great point, but I don't think most people look at it that way. No, I well the problem with the magic and stuff is because the cards are random. So you may, you know, if you want to get a complete set, you're like you're at the mercy of the, you know, the booster pack gods that you would get the cards that you need. But I think and those are cruel, cruel gods. <laughs> they're very. They're not mm-hmm. they're not good gods, they're evil gods. <laughs> but uh I mean one thing about it was very interesting to me. It's probably one of my favorite ways to play any game is to do like a booster draft. I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like that, but you basically, each each person sits at a table and they open up three packs of cards. So I'll open up a pack of cards, choose a card to put in my deck, pass all the cards to the left, and then every, you know everybody passes them around and then you build the deck and then you open up the next pack and pass it to the right. And it's interesting to me because I'm pretty sure when they first started with Magic, I don't know, because I never played Magic when it first came out, but I don't think they had that in mind as like a way to play the game. I think it was all about, you know, you buy packs and you build the best deck possible and you, mm-hmm. you kick your mm-hmm. friend's butt. But that, that to me is the best way to play any of those games, you know, magic or, you know, I'm a big versus fan. Uh, you, you just do the booster draft where you get a couple of packs, you open it up and you've got to build your deck on the fly. And then usually this is in a tournament setting and then you've got to take that, you know, deck and then, uh, you know, go through a tournament. And there's this whole idea of, like, hate drafting where, okay, I'm kind of building a green deck or a red deck. Well, I get this, I open the pack and there's this really awesome blue card that's like a rare that if there's anybody at my table that's playing blue, if they get it, they're going to beat me when I face them. So I'll draft that card and keep it away from them. Even though it's not going to help my deck, I'm not even going to use it. So... Anyway, I'm kind of went off the subject there, but I, I, I like mm-hmm. that. actually that actually that actually makes magic sound like fun to me. Oh yeah, I had, I had heard about that option. Some friends of mine actually do play it that way. Yeah, it's I mean it's amazing because what you can do is you can go down to the shop with a few of your buddy, and there's different formats. If you have like eight players, it's, you do one format. If it's two or three people, you can still do a draft. But you just go down to the shop with your buddies, and each of you spends like fifteen bucks on cards, and then. You play them, and then you just give them to whoever is the magic guy. But that's that's by far and away my best. Well, I love. I mean, I'll play that today. My friends will. I'll go over to their house, and they'll have like uh, they build like what's called a cube, 
And so they take and build like fake booster packs, so to speak. I mean, that's not really a cube, but it's a variation of that. So you build up these fake booster packs and everybody gets 15 cards. And then you just kind of say, okay, here's your booster pack. And then you just draft. So you really don't even need new cards. You could do it with your existing set. But yeah, a lot of these games are, it's more of a system that you're buying into, like the war games and Dominion and, the Euro games has a real problem where with expansions, I think, because there's not, I don't know, there's not really, they're, they're mainly self-contained things. And if there's an expansion, it's kind of hit or miss, you know, it, usually mm-hmm. something breaks the game or I can't really think of any. Recently playing Kai Specker, that's an amazing expansion. And uh, yeah, I don't want to go too much detail on it, but. Mm-hmm. Your your yeah, no, expansions are weird. Right. I think you're perfectly right with the with the self-contained idea. I mean, I many Euro games are their own li- little micro world, or their little microeconomic system. You know, a certain cube makes a certain sense and a certain value because of the relative value that it has within that system. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Euro games often create their own law of offer and demand. You know, why would you want that thing? Well, because in this game it has that value and. If you change that in a certain way, if you add change, if you add anything or take anything away, you're sort of like changing the market. And and, right. and this is why I said there are no possibilities for things going wildly astray arise. Uh, in a certain way, see, when I was talking about, you know, war games, uh, yeah, by adding new maps, new battles, you're also creating self-contained unities and each unity unit works in itself. It's not like, oh, I'm going to add, you know, this map, so I'm going to use the map from that scenario and all the counters for that scenario on this map. I'm going to crop the map and see what happens. Well, it's going to suck. It's going to happen. So you still have that division between units. Yeah. I was going to ask you, actually, uh, uh, Marco, with mm-hmm. y- you're a big fan of, of the CNC Fan and Colors games, and, mm-hmm. and which is cool. But um, that seems to have, like, 27 expansions as well. I mean, it, it, it just does. seems. I mean, it actually, actually, it has that expansions of the expansions. <laughs> well, the last I mean, expansion expands an expansion, it's an expand of the game. Is I that mean, just is that just game. adding is that adding rules to it or is it just it's adding more armies or uh, uh, how does that work? A little bit of both because armies have different armies may have units that behave differently, but the idea is that you do not. Rarely do you change, you know, the basic ideas. I'm thinking about Command and Colors Napoleonics. Uh, they came up with the with the Spanish Army expansion. So you add the Spanish Army that allows you to add more scenarios. Uh, and the Spanish Army has several special rules. And because of those certain rules, you need special components to to, to represent that. Um, so it's not drastic change. It is. It is not just adding a new army. It's a little different. It changes the way in which you play the game. When you're facing the Spanish, or you're, it is not like I'm playing with different stats because there are certain weaknesses, but then certain ways of of balance of you know of, of well again yeah, to balance those weaknesses. Uh, so it's somebody's someone in something more something in between I would say is a soft thing somewhere in between just adding a new army and changing the game entirely for each expansion you also come with a full scenario book 
so that means that if you buy the base game, you already have like some 15 scenarios. And then if you add the new army, not only do you have, say, you know, a new battle, two new battles, then you have 15, 20 new battles that you can play. So again, each of these expansions has has inside it that includes its own variety, its own vast range of things that you can do, includes a, a vast replay value. You know, I mean, if you buy, I don't know, and, you know, each battle maybe you'll play two or three times, right, before you can master it. Some battles you say, ah, this battle sucks, I'm never going to play it again. Some battles you play several times. Suppose with a scenario book of 15 battles, you play 25, 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you buy Settlers of Catan, Citizen Knights, are you really going to play 30 times? I don't know. Maybe you do, but I wouldn't. But that's just me. I don't know. Well, Citizen Knights, yes. <laughs> that's, okay. re- that's the best way to play Wrong mistake. Catan. Uh-huh. Okay. No, but yeah, I, no. It's a example. No, it's a good example, I think. And it's a good question that I would have for either of you um, is how many and this is maybe a whole other subject but we're kind of actually going into our last episode is like how many plays do you expect to get out of a game because the expansion is going to add more plays to the game which is great usually if it's a good expansion so it, when you're talking about those different scenarios okay you get base c and c and you play it 20 times you play each scenario twice and then you get another expansion, and then you play each scenario twice again. So not only are you, you know, you're paying for the new expansion and playing it, but you're also basically, you know, playing the original that many more times. And so that's one of the great things about any good expansion is you're really getting all of that extra added value and that added fun out mm-hmm. of out of what out of your purchase. Yeah. So, like what what is the is there there's a lot of discussion on board game geek and stuff like that right now. Uh, you know, it's like, well, how many times should somebody play a game before they review it or before they say they've mastered it? You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that number is. I don't know what mastering a game means in many cases. Right. Win every game or you know (laughs) that it can be done. Right. Which kind of like kills the game, I guess. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah, how, how how many times should you play it before you're burnt out and want to trade it? <laughs> well, that's just that's just your gut telling you. Just like yeah. when you get done playing a game, you just say, eh, I don't ever care if I play this game again." Yeah. You know, and that's and that's that that you know, who can tell what's going to spin your crank and what isn't? You know, I mean, uh, I've got games that. Uh, you know, I can play zombie dice over and over again, you know, because it's just so simple and easy, but there's nothing to it. Yeah. But a game that's got some meat to it, I mean, uh, you know, it's just, you know, like like Dominant Species, I'll play that all the time as well, just because it's just such an excellent game. Yeah. I, but there's other games that have tons of rules, like Through the Ages, that I keep it just because I like it, but, God, it hasn't hit the table in six months, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, if 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 I like a game that has multiple scenarios, then I will definitely explore the scenarios. So yeah, right there we may have a game that they play 10, 15, 20 times, depending of course on the initial number of scenarios and how good they are, how much 
uh, again, how, how fascinating they are, how many things you can experiment with them, how how much variety they, each battle can allow, because the battle plays always the same, well, then then you're pretty much done after the time that you play, you know, after a single time that you play. Uh, so okay, with war games, it just changes so much, depending on single scenario, 50 scenarios. Okay. Lost battles, I still haven't played every, every each battle, uh, even though some battles I play multiple times. And... You know, I don't know that I'll ever play them all. Maybe I'll just keep playing you know, the 40 that I like and I'll just keep circling them. I will not even explore systematically just for the sake of it. So there's just so much variety, in, you know, in the world of war gaming that it becomes tougher to have a, an average amount of, you know, times. And then you have games that are very long. And of course, of course, I played Zombie Dice more times than I played the Caucasus campaign. Uh, but just because in an hour I can play more zombie dice games that I can play if I was campaigning in a year, even if I play only that. So there's that factor too, I believe. But And yet when the game is long, uh, sure, the game has a certain architecture, so you need to, to play the entire game to to uh, to really appreciate it. But on the other hand, you have, if a game lasts 12 hours uh, and you have been immersed in that system for a longer time, you know, unless in those sort of hours, really every every hour the game changes dramatically, you kind of like get to know the idea, you know, kind of get yeah. to know where the game is going to go and what the game is going to do. Uh, I'm just saying that even, even with a shorter, with a smaller amount of individual games, you probably get a deeper sense of what the system can do, uh, as opposed to, you know, playing many times a much shorter game. Right. All right, I, I think we've done a good job of um, you know covering expansions. I mean, I, I apologize, my uh, my little six month old son here is is uh, it's kind of late and we're hitting the wall with him, and so I think this is as good a place as any to uh, uh, wrap things up and maybe just kind of talk about what's on our plate and uh, anything we're like looking forward to doing or what's coming up in our our hobby gaming enthusiast world. Um, I myself. Uh, twice a year, I host what's called FloodCon at my house. It is a mini gaming convention where I have upwards to a couple of dozen people that come over, and we start on Friday, and you can hear them in the background there. Uh, we, we go and um, we play board games for basically three days straight. I kind of have a convention at my house, so I'm, I'm doing that on April 20th. I'm really looking forward to that. If you... Uh, so... I got that going on, which um, my lovely wife, Becca, uh, allows me to do that. So um, she's pretty amazing as far as that's regarding. But um, other than that, um, I just recently uh, received uh, a copy of Rolling Freight, which is a game that got uh, uh, kickstarted a while back, and they just finally uh, got it published. So they sent me a review copy. I'm pretty excited about that. It's a... Uh, it's, it's a train game, but it's, it's a dice game. It's got a bunch of uh, unique dice to it. And um, I, 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 it, it's, it's kind of unlike anything. I, I, I thought it was one thing, and I read the rules now, and it's, it's actually a lot more uh, – there's a lot more uh, meat to it than I thought there would be as far as a, a dice game goes. So I'm really excited to give that a try, and, and hopefully I'll get that to my table this week, and I'll play around with that. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, there's, um, a few more, uh, 
uh, import games that uh, have finally meandered their ways over this side of the uh, the the ocean. So um, I, I placed orders for those. So I'm I'm excited to to give those a shot. Offhand, I'm trying to remember uh, some of the names of them. Um, actually, I've owned Antiquity now for a couple of months. I got a hold of a copy, but I have yet to play it. So I'm I've got to rectify that soon. Um, I mean, well, I, I I should say I've played the game uh, at at a convention, two conventions actually in the past. But now I have my own copy, and theoretically, I could play it anytime I want to. But I just uh, I haven't, which I don't know why. I'm, I guess I, I mean, I spent over a hundred dollars on the game, so I, I, I should be playing it, right? So, um, I, I, I that's the idea. I, yeah, that's that's usually yeah. where people buy games. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get that uh, to my table this week as well. I kind of made a deal with myself to do that. Um, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I. This is like I've said before. This is kind of that lull right now before um, before all the big big uh, conventions and whatever. And so there isn't a lot of new stuff coming out right now, which is cool because that means I have uh, older stuff that I, I want to give a give a try to. So, um, but I mean, yeah, that kind of I mean, it's I, I've got kind of a boring uh, what's coming uh, thing to say. But uh, what about you guys? Kind of the contrary in, in the wargaming world, really. This is being there's an outburst, a growing spurt the, these these days, these weeks. Uh, there is a full new series that is coming out. There's a series of 20 board games published by the same publisher that publishes the Strategy and Tactics magazine. Uh, did it cut you off, Lance? Did you want to say more? No, no. Okay, thank you. No, no, you didn't cut me off. Don't worry about okay. it. It's just my son <laughs> just is hacking my headset. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the same publisher that publishes the uh, Strategy and Tactics magazine. It's twenty games, and some people have subscribed to the entire series. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy some of those, and the games started coming out, and I received two of these games: Battle for Stalingrad and John Dark's Victory. At the same time. We have a very there is a very interesting game, a promising game by Lock and Load that's just come out, just came out or is coming out. Nuclear Winter '68. It is a war game set in a sort of like what if past well '68, but yeah, what would 1968 be if atomic bombs had gone off in Europe in 1946? So it's sort of like sci-fi uh, thing. I received an email from. Um, from uh, GMT, they are being extremely nice and sending me advanced copies of Virgin Queen, which is the sequel to Here I Stand, and 1989, the sequel to uh, Twilight Struggle. And so both games, the original games were, have been huge, and probably the sequels are going to be equally huge. Again, I'm, I'm very lucky, I know, and I, I was born lucky that way, but they got advanced copies, but I think that the main the main release, the official release, is not going to be uh, far in the future. So there's really a lot of interesting stuff coming out for for word gamers. And as for things that came out recently, and I'm planning to play next, there's Ascari. Ascari is by uh, an Italian game by Acius. Uh, I played a game by them last year. Um, this was uh, Massena Luano. It's a pretty original game. I like them. 
DTP publisher, but very professional, small publisher. And Ascar is about um, the Italian, the Italian colonial war, war, Italian colonial wars in Africa at the end of 19th century. So not a new game about D-Day or the Battle of the Bulge, a topic that hasn't been gamed much. Uh, I read the rule book. I set up the first game i'm gonna play it soon very simple six pages of rules it seems interesting so well, interesting new innovative topic the mechanics seem solid but we'll see what happens and washington's crossing that i mentioned in a in a podcast recently well not really since we haven't had one in so in so long but uh, it's about of course it is about uh, the american revolutionary war and i got the copy that just came out it is a beauty. I haven't read the rule book yet, but the components are just a thing of beauty. The map is just looks fantastic. Everything is very promising. So probably I'm going to play Ascari and Washington Crossing in the next weeks. Um, I'm going to also play Night Fighter. This is not something that just came out, but Night Fighter by GMT. Uh, they finally came out with a solitaire version. Um, the solitaire rules were released, and I'm starting to play it solitaire. Seems pretty interesting so far, so we'll see how that goes. How about you, Joel? Um, well, I could probably say ditto to a couple of things. Uh, Nuclear Winter 68 and 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking oh, we, the... I think you're going to have to do some uh, playing by forum, some online gaming here. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have a war game room module for 1989, so maybe we'll get a game of that in. Well, or absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That nuclear 68 just looks. Uh, I don't. You, sometimes you see those those kind of alternate history games, but this one looks really cool. So, uh, looking forward to that, and uh, should be getting a copy of Power Grid First Sparks, which is getting kind of mediocre reviews, but. I think I, I'll probably try that with kind of my family group and then also my gamer group to see, because uh, we've got some huge, you know, power grid fanatics in my gamer group. They've got all the maps and the different things. And my hunch, it's just a hunch, is that they probably won't like it. And <laughs> my family group, who's never played power grid before, uh, they might like it. So we'll see. So I'm, I'm because I'm a giant uh, power grid fan. But uh, I am aware of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Um, and what else was I going to play? Uh, I've had copies of Vanuatu and Helvetia sitting around. I would like to get those played. But I haven't got them played yet. <laughs> and then... <laughs> he's sorry, oh, he's, he's, he's going off. Up. He's talking about the games he wants to play. Yeah, let's... Uh, let's What's that? I, I, I didn't quite hear. Was it 1863? No. <laughs> 1913? No. I think he was saying he wanted to also jump in on that power grid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> but uh, uh, there was another... Oh, well, I have some victory point games that I need to get played. Mm. Um, I have... Uh, Destined Hero, which I played around with, and that it's kind of interesting little game. It's Is one it where the... you're some sort of god and directing the life of a hero? No, it's like it's sort of like a riff on an old 8-bit RPG. Hmm. Where, but one player plays the hero, the Destined Hero, and 
the other plays uh, the fiend, and so you sort of like lay out the battlefield and uh, and it's a little eight bit art, and then you sort of you put your guys out and you get like a small uh, deck of cards. You get seven cards, and then you put them out on the board, and then you will put these little power tokens on them. And they might be creatures or items or, or little towers or something like that. And the object is to get from the hero from one side of the map to the other mm. and and kind of get your way through the traps and the creatures and maybe find uh, buddies or something like that to go with you or find items and then defeat the fiend. But the game should play sort of differently every time because each side has a huge deck of like, I don't know, 20-some cards, but you only play with seven each game. Mm-hmm. And as you put these power-up tokens, there's like three different abilities that you can upgrade them to before the game starts. So you may choose to have uh, like a better attack on, on this time, or you may do like you know some other power on a different game. And so I don't know. It's pretty cool. I like the art. It's kind of my Final Fantasy or Dragon. that sounds really cool, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why somehow I had this idea that it was a game where you had to direct the life of the hero, and that's a little bit like, eh, I want to be the hero, not some sort of like puppeteer. But yeah, that well, sounds interesting. Yeah, one guy's the hero, and the other guy's the fiend, and mm-hmm. you go. And then I got uh, Lost Cause, which is a states of siege, but it's a civil war uh, states of siege, and it's really complex compared to some of the other states of siege, but it looks really cool. And I got uh, Barbarossa campaign, uh, which is single player. Oh, that's that that's a that's a very good one. That's yeah. probably one of my favorite by by three point games. Have you played yet? Have you start messing with the rules for anything? For Barbarossa campaign? Yeah. No, I just I I glanced through them. I was uh, I wanted to do the Destined Hero and Lost Cause and and uh, things like that. Victory Point Games actually has a very um, a buddy of mine owns it, and so I don't own it myself. But it's kind of—I forget the name of it. It's—it's it's a very—it's a very space hulky um, themed game. Forlorn uh, Hope. There, there. That—that's a great game by them. I really enjoy that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. My—I don't know what is going on with him. He is—he should not be this awake. He's excited. Yeah, he 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 loves my board game room. He just he loves to look at everything. He tries to grab things. He's just mm-hmm. he's he's my little gamer. So, but Joel, speaking of State of Siege, um, have you uh, have you heard about Revolt and Revolution by GMT? Uh, is that the where they're releasing like a couple of re-releasing states? exactly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're re-releasing Soviet Dawn, Cruel Necessity, and Levan Mass, uh, and that seems well. Again, one of you know a GMT release of a Victory Point game uh, was my favorite game last year, No Retreat. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So, you know, yeah, Victory no Point ret- game comes mm-hmm. out with very, very often comes out with very strong designs. The one weak, weak point, of course, is the components. I wouldn't say weak. I would just say less strong. Well, but then that's... you match that with GMT, then you had the best of both worlds, really. Right. You know, one thing about Victory Point Games is I think it, it, it it's a pretty unfair rap. Is yeah, the components are not sturdy, mm-hmm. but the graphic design on like just about every Victory Point game I've played is amazing. I mean, you mm-hmm. know. 
it's it's a little unequal. There are some of the games that look more like, you know, one could almost put them together with copy and paste function from Word document. Uh, but the components is not the fact that they are not sturdy. That's you know, it's a problem to me. Is the way sometimes the oh, very often the counters are cut. Mm, they yeah. they're made of two pieces of cardboard stuck together, but they're not equal. So the two sides are not matching with one another. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? I don't yeah. have to explain that yeah. verbally. But you have one in your hand, and you know that ah, the two things should have been, you know, glued together exactly one under the other. Yeah, and they tend but to sh- they, they they tend to shed for the first couple of times you play the game. It's like, oh, there's little <laughs> little pieces, pieces keep, keep coming going. off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, you know, at Soviet Dawn, that one I kind of soured on that one. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of, it's just really, really random, that one. I liked it, though. It's just, I think it's probably, it's the intent of the design to sort of be this, uh, the, uh, you know, the Communist Party, and then kind of being surrounded by all of these divergent factions, and, you know, the, the Democrats, the Socialists, the, the Tsarist regime, people still left, and it's just, you know, just totally surrounded by chaos. But as a game, it makes it kind of like, oh, man. Because sometimes I, w- I would win really easily on that one, and that's something that's normally you can't say about a states of siege game. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I agree. So it's it's pretty random, but uh, but those other two I haven't played, so maybe I'll get that and uh, for the other. Yeah. Right. You're you're turning my Joel into a war gamer. You do realize that, right? I know, and I and I'm and I'm actually so I'm doing it, and I'm not regretting it. Do you know who it's not going to work on? <laughs> Me, <laughs> says the man who bought the Wizard Kings. <laughs> well, that's different because it's <laughs> fantasy. Oh yeah. And and I should I should admit also yeah, I, I I ordered I ordered Frederick. The word game is not a word game. Is hmm? I ordered I ordered Frederick. Um, uh-huh. the, the Histo games now I, the yeah. third edition or whatever and that's I guess that's a light war game so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, see, as you said, oh, it's it's not a war game; it's fantasy. It's first stage denial. It's very normal. <laughs> like I'm not playing a war game, or even if I am, I can stop whenever I want, and uh, we'll see where that leads. Yes, we, we shall have see. all been we have all been there, Lance. We have all been there. Oh, <laughs> it's the same with right. me and zombies, Lance. That's the same there you go. Thing. Well, yeah, but the difference is is that you're completely wrong about zombies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my gentlemen, uh, it's been a pleasure, a little slice of heaven. Uh, But my son uh, is going to get one final bottle, and then we're going to go to bed. Okay, thanks for joining us for our fifth episode of Iron Cubes and Wooden Soldiers. (laughs) Are you sure that's the name? I don't think it is. I'll check. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, we'll hopefully see you soon next time. Uh, I'm not sure what the topic will be. Hopefully it will be an interesting topic. And uh, please leave feedback and comments on our guild on BoardGameGeek, as well as the post on 2d6.org. Until next time, take care. (laughs) 